Please listen carefully. Hello, and welcome to the Optimist Daily's Weekly Roundup. I'm Carissa. And I'm Ariel, and we're working hard to put solutions in view and optimism in movement. So we're back again for another week, another roundup of our awesome solutions on the Optimist Daily this week. I think it was a pretty good week so far. It's Friday, and I'm excited for the weekend. Ariel, how are you feeling today on this Friday? I'm feeling pretty good. It's been a very stressful week of packing. I don't know if um, listeners would remember, but last week I was getting ready to pack up my house and also take a trip to Canada, which I'm going to be doing shortly. So it's been crazy hectic. But yeah, now all my things are in boxes and I'm ready to go. But yeah, not a lot of time for fun and relaxation this week. (laughs) Yeah, Ariel, I know that you mentioned this week was a little stressful. You appeared to our meetings in closets of boxes and hangers and we're a little stressed out but you know I'm glad you made progress this week and all that is good so yeah it's incredible how much stuff like just accumulates I need to be more mindful I suppose of just like getting rid of like Mary Kondo is it Mary Kondo I think so I think that is her name I'm not 100% sure (laughs) well if anyone listening knows then you can feel free to correct me Well, good. That's good. Well, my week, yeah, has been pretty relaxing, I guess, so far. It's been raining where I am, so it's been nice just to sit down with a book after work. And then the time changed, though, so it's kind of good and bad because I do not like the dark very early. I Mm -hmm. like the sunlight, so that's been an adjustment. But it's been kind of nice because I feel like my sleeping schedule is a little bit earlier, and like I've been able to wake up earlier um, just because I'm still in the old time schedule. Mm -hmm. So that's been good and relaxing. And I guess like the sun comes up earlier so it probably makes it nicer to wake up yeah exactly so getting a little more sunshine in the morning I've been more of a morning person this week I guess you can say so that's a little benefit of it but yeah I've had kind of a relaxing week I guess the only fun thing I would say I've done is I did catch a movie this week not a scary movie I feel like as we've been talking about (laughs) the past couple weeks um I actually went to see the Priscilla movie so Priscilla movie I haven't even heard oh wait it's about Priscilla Presley oh nice yeah so it was an interesting one it was a really like aesthetic movie so I appreciate those kind of movies so yeah Well, I'm glad you're talking about movies because I'm actually going to be talking about a solution that involves them. Mm -hmm. Um, But before I start, did you see the Barbie movie and Oppenheimer together? Like, did you, were you one of those people who like (laughs) went with their friends to see Barbenheimer? Yeah, the Barbenheimer phenomenon. So I actually (laughs) just saw the Barbie movie, but when I went, it was my friend's birthday and Mm. um, I actually drove all the way from Santa Barbara to San Diego for this. So I only made it to the Barbie showing, but they had seen Oppenheimer earlier in the day. So they were on the second movie of the double feature. So I only saw the Barbie movie, but I did hear that the Oppenheimer movie was pretty long, but they did like it, but it was very long. (laughs) Yeah, I saw them both as well, but on separate occasions, like I think on different weeks with also different people. Um, I just knew that I wouldn't be able to sit through all of that movie time. Yes. (laughs) And I often, I don't really go to the movies anyway. I think we were talking about that before when Mm -hmm. we were talking about the solo date thing. I'm only there for the popcorn. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think part of it is because like I, 
I like the comfort of watching something at home because then I can pause because my mm-hmm. bladder is so small. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah, even for me, uh, so I was mentioning how I saw Priscilla and it was kind of a shorter movie. I think it was only an hour and a half, which I feel like these days is a short movie for the movie mm-hmm. theaters. And even then I had to go to the bathroom, so I like ran out as fast as I could. But um, <laughs> yeah, these movies are getting really long, which is great I guess but I guess it's nice for like story development yeah whatever a little bit more screen time and yeah a little bit more story development so but I was actually just talking about the same topic that this article is on um, Mm -hmm. with my friends so when I saw it in the news in our feed I was like oh this is definitely the one that I want to discuss so it's titled extra long films are on the rise here's why the intermission should be reinstated I think that's correct. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, with my friends, it was kind of like controversial opinion. Some people didn't want the like old school intermission uh, to come back. My argument was that like, we still have it for live cultural events most of the time. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, let's listen to what the article says. I'm curious to see. Yeah, okay. So the article goes through some recent research that says that the top grossing films in 2022 had an average duration of 136 minutes. So that indicates a trend towards longer cinematic experiences. Mm -hmm. And then in many of the 2023 releases, like Oppenheimer that we were talking about and Killers of the Flower Moon, those ones were clocking in at over two hours. But the question that this article poses is, should we be subjecting ourselves to these nonstop movie marathons? To answer, or to give her expertise, Dr. Christy Pramuji was referenced in the article. She's a urogynecologist and pelvic floor specialist, and she highlights the health risks associated with prolonged sitting. So sitting for a while, which I think a lot of us do if we're like in office jobs even, or commuting a lot. Yeah. It can lead to issues like cardiovascular problems, joint pain, and a weak core. But that's not all, because holding in urine during long films can disrupt the body's natural signals, potentially causing urinary tract infections, which, I mean, maybe this is TMI for the podcast, but I often get urinary tract infections Mm -hmm. or UTIs, and they are the worst. And they also cause voiding problems. So I had to look this up because it wasn't explained. Yeah, what is that? Voiding dysfunction is often described by symptoms such as urinating more than eight times per day or having the strong need to urinate and urine retention. So that's when you're not able to empty your bladder. Uh, And the problem can affect both women and men. That's the most I've said urine in a sentence (laughs) in the longest time. (laughs) But anyway... Aside from the physiological concerns, watching long films can be also intellectually taxing. That's what I felt when I was watching Oppenheimer. Yeah, that's what I was going to mention. I didn't, I mean, I didn't see it, but I know it was kind of like a heavier movie. So Yeah, it was like, I even prepped for it because I'm a bit of a nerd. So I had like previously listened to podcasts about the explosion, like this particular event. Yeah. Um, so I listened to more podcasts just to like get the background information of the characters that would show up in the film. Yeah, but definitely. even then, like I think I was the one who enjoyed it the most out of my friends. But that's because I did the, the homework, which yeah. I feel like you shouldn't have to do for a movie. <laughs> um, and yeah. it was just a lot of dialogue. So you're like trying to follow all of this. And right. the movie is like three hours long. So by the end of it, I felt like quite 
exhausted. Right. Um, and it's such a huge historical event, which I feel like a lot of the longer movies kind of are like historical. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's a good thing that you did the homework because even though it's long, it's still nice to have that background knowledge to really contextualize mm-hmm. the events in the movie. So yeah, I was pretty proud of myself. But yeah. at the same time, like Bravo. it wasn't necessarily relaxing. Right. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so there's this guy he's a chief film projectionist and theater floor manager at the texas theater his name is chad pierce and in the article he's quoted saying that intermissions can prevent the overwhelming nature of overly long tales mm-hmm. um i think the actual quote says intermissions give you the opportunity to breathe and digest the information presented to you mm-hmm. so that's basically the case to bring a good old-fashioned intermission back into movie-going culture, especially yeah. if the movie's like two hours or right. longer. But yeah, in the meantime, people who are going to the cinema will still need a game plan to survive all of these cinematic marathons that are so common these days. Yep. So the article also goes into six tips to help you stay healthy and engaged and not having to pee during lengthy films. Oh, good. Let's hear it. Uh, the first tip is... I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious. Use the restroom before the movie begins. Mm-hmm. And then Dr. Pramuji, I hope I'm saying that right, advises against consuming too many liquids just before the movie starts. So common sense. The second tip is to ask about the length of pre-movie trailers. So if you know how long the pre-movie trailers will run, you can plan your breaks strategically. Yeah. The third one is to steer clear of bladder irritating foods and beverages, especially if you're sensitive to them. So that includes caffeinated drinks, chocolate, spicy foods, and tomatoes. I mean, tomatoes I can probably stay away from in the movies, but I do like a caffeinated beverage. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and chocolate. A chocolate movie candy, a spicy food. I personally enjoy having nachos when I go to the movies mm. with some jalapenos. So. Oh, uh, yeah. Also, <laughs> an inducing food, I guess. So maybe yeah. I'll steer clear. <laughs> I know you'd have to have a bit of willpower if you're going to go to the movies and like, yeah. stay away from the snacks that you like. But, you know, it's all in the name of health until they reintroduce the intermission. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> tip four is to use the 202020 rule to combat digital eye strain. And I think mm. that I would use this in my day to day life because I hadn't heard about it before. Yeah, me either. What exactly is it? So basically, to relieve eye strain during long movies, you can look at something 20 feet away for 20 seconds every 20 minutes. So mm. I guess, just guess, I'm sure you're not going to have like your timer on while a movie is going. But this tactic or this, yeah, this rule, it was developed by the American Optometric Association. So apparently it reduces eye fatigue and keeps your eyes lubricated. And that's something that I need because I'm like always on my laptop as well. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to implement that just into daily life too then. (laughs) Yeah. And then the fifth tip was one that I didn't know existed, but it's to use an online service to find the best times for restroom breaks without missing crucial plot points. Oh, yeah, I have heard of this before, but I always forget it's a thing. Yeah, I guess if you're very diligent, then you can go to websites such as No Guilt Fangirls. (laughs) They have a guide that that's entitled when you can pee and it provides recommendations for each film but it also doesn't reveal any spoilers so 
That's cool. That's a good resource. Yeah. <laughs> and then the last one is to work out before the movie because exercise can enhance your mood and concentration, and that will also help you stay engaged. So yeah, that is the summary of the article. Yeah. I think the link for the When You Can Pee page is embedded in the text of the article for people who are interested. Yeah, for your next movie outing. <laughs> well, cool. Yeah, I like the solution, and I definitely think bring the intermission back. That would be a good solution to the problems of these long movies. <laughs> so. Yeah, and I think it would also like make the cinemas a little bit more money because then people will refill their snacks. and Yeah. Yeah. That's super true. Because, yeah, that too. Sometimes, like, I'll go into a movie not wanting a snack, and then halfway through, I'm like, oh, I wish I would have gotten one, but I don't want to, like, wait, you know, for Yeah, it, or so. miss anything. Yeah, or, or like, miss that much. I'll, like, finish my popcorn before the movie starts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, okay, time for another snack. But, yeah. Yeah, this is great. That was a fun one. So, bring back the intermission is all I have to say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, what does your – I don't think your solution has anything to do with movies. So yeah, no I guess, like, it's segue. kind of on the same note, maybe, like, arts and culture, so mm. – but different mediums of art, not digital. It's actually the complete opposite from digital. It's physical art, so oh, – okay. Yeah. So I guess I'll go into my solution, which is that art preserves endangered flora in the Himalayas where conservation and culture collide. So I really enjoyed the solution this week on The Optimist Daily because it combined my appreciation for conservation of the world and art. So I really love a good art piece and especially this (laughs) one. These are a lot of flowers and I love flowers. So I think this one was a really good one for the week. So I'll get into it. So this article starts with one of the people mentioned named Hemelita Pradin. And in 2002, she was an artist who had just completed her master's in natural history illustration in London and was turning to Kalimpong in the eastern Himalaya region of India and found numerous trees had been cut down for a dam on the Tista River at Kalajora. This shocking sight on National Highway 10 marked a watershed moment in her life. The dam's environmental damage fueled her ambition to use her paintbrush to protect the flowery world of her hills. Aww. Yeah. It sounds really magical and emotional. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's what really drew me to this article. Her expedition is representative of a larger effort to safeguard the Kanchenjunga landscape in the eastern Himalayas and its unique wildlife, which is an important component of the Himalayan biodiversity hotspot. Nice. So, yeah, there's different flora that are kind of involved in her project and just in general that are endangered in this area. So they include orchids, rhododendrons, and other indigenous blossoms. But they're more than just flora to these regions. They're profoundly ingrained in the cultural and religious traditions of the region's indigenous populations. Her dedication extends beyond her beautiful paintings of the Eastern Himalayan vegetation. So in 2011, she actually founded the Himalayan Trust for Natural History Art in a remote village near the Reli River, where she continues to impart her knowledge and passion for art and nature to a group of rural children, primarily girls from marginalized backgrounds. And her commitment also extends beyond art. She wants to encourage the next generation to bear a sense of responsibility for their natural surroundings in the midst of climate and ecological change. So as I kind of touched on earlier, the flora and fauna have significant cultural places in their communities. So I'll just dig into that a little bit. 
Uh, for instance, in the indigenous Kirat Rai community, orchids hold a central place in religious offerings, and the rhododendron's flower plays a crucial role in traditional ceremonies, such as marriages and social gatherings. But as we mentioned, these flowers are threatened by deforestation and habitat degradation. So it's all of the most importance for different artists to capture the essence of these plants. Wow. Okay. So uh, this sounds really fascinating. I would love to see uh, what kind of ceremonies these flowers are involved in. But what I'm wondering right now is what kind of medium the artists use to bring their wildlife art pieces to life. Yeah, so we have an instance in this article from one artist named Nira Joshi, who is a Nepalese botanical illustrator. She utilizes watercolors to bring the unique Himalayan flowers to life on canvas. And her painstaking work has made a substantial contribution to the study of local flora. And she plays a crucial role in Flora of Nepal Volume 3, a collection of botanical line drawings for scholarly journals. So Joshi understands the importance of visual communication and conservations. She actually says that botanical paintings can be used in educational programs, botanical gardens, and museums to raise awareness about the diversity of plant life and the importance of conservation. She also emphasizes that these illustrations can engage the public and inspire a deeper appreciation for plants and their roles in ecosystems. And I think that's super important to note because I think there's a difference between, you know, just seeing it and a really cool art piece that emphasizes mm-hmm. it so i was gonna say like i'm sure that creating art around these endangered species is really impactful yeah especially in terms of conservation but what is the i guess what i'm trying to say is there's also digital photography that could create images that are very very accurate what is the scientific benefit to using paints or another type of art to document species when there's something that can be used that's like very that will get all the details you know what I mean yeah so we kind of go into this in this article so Himalitsa Pradhan who we've been mentioning the star of this article says that she believes the botanical illustration excels at catching and accentuating nuances that may be elusive in photographs so Hmm. even though photographs are a lot easier, as you mentioned. These botanical illustrations serve a distinct purpose in recognizing and showing plants more closely than images and emphasize the value of this art form in the preservation of our natural heritage. So, yeah. Oh, cool. So they can capture a little more details. Pradhan actually says, elements like cluttered backgrounds or any plant deformations encountered when photographing a plant in its natural habitat can be completely omitted in a painting. She claims that botanical art serves a special purpose in recognizing and depicting plants more closely than pictures. So that's true too. You can kind of, you can make the very perfect formation of Mm -hmm. a certain plant in your depiction. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, and emphasize like really, really interesting details, I suppose, better than like a photograph that will just like take everything in the same accuracy, I guess you could right. say. Right, exactly. So obviously, I think both are important, but these art pieces are really important for this region. And so as artists and scientists in the Eastern Himalayas continue to paint, illustrate, and educate, they provide a ray of hope for the preservation of their region's exceptional flora in the face of climate change and developmental measures. And at the same time, they're also developing a closer link between mankind and nature via their artistic manifestations. And, you know, art has always been, I think, that link between mankind and the natural world. So Mm -hmm. I think this is a good reminder. 
even today in the digital world where we have the photographs and whatnot, Mm -hmm. art is still important. So Yeah, of course. I think even more important now. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I really liked this solution this week. And I actually took a look at some of the pieces referenced and Himalitsa Pradhan's art too. And they were very beautiful. So I highly recommend nice. checking them out. I wonder, do they have like socials um, in the text, like Instagram or something, if our listeners and readers want to check it out? Um, I don't think we mentioned it, but I'm sure they do. Mm-hmm. So we can make an update on the page actually if they do check it out so nice yeah well that was a really great roundup of solutions we have some other great solutions from this week that you can find on our website they include from fairways to green sanctuaries the effort to rewild abandoned golf courses Then we have six significant ways dog ownership improves human health, happiness, and longevity. I think we can both attest to that, Ariel, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Then we have restoring sound. Gene therapy gives deaf children hope for hearing and healing. And we also have overcome common obstacles in the art of public speaking with confidence. Nice. We have some other stories, including a new era in STI testing, a tampon developed by a British firm identifies infection. What's in a name? Dozens of American birds to be renamed to promote inclusivity. Protecting ourselves and our children from overexposure to images of war and violence. Unfortunately, very timely. And rainforest nations join forces to protect biodiversity. Yeah, I'm really liking all the biodiversity articles we had on the Optimist Daily this week. So mm-hmm. a bit of a theme. <laughs> yeah, nature-y one. So definitely go check them out. And if you want to start your day off right, make sure you subscribe to our free daily newsletter to get our solutions straight to your inbox every weekday. We also have more on our social channels. You can find us at The Optimist Daily on all of our platforms, including Threads and Pinterest. The only difference is on X, which was previously known as Twitter. On there, you can find us at Ode to Optimism. Yeah, and we're a small team of optimists working hard to bring you positive news. If you want to support our mission of putting optimism out there into the world, click on the link in the show notes to find out how. And just a reminder that support doesn't always have to be financial. You could recommend our podcast to a friend, leave a positive review on Apple or Spotify, or share a solution on your socials like Instagram or something. That would be an incredible help to us. Yeah, definitely. So that's all for this week. We'll be back next week with more solutions to end your week I'll see you then. And uh, yeah, have a great weekend, everybody. Yeah, bye. The road, <laughs> why can I not pronounce this flower? The, the rhododendrons, yeah.